Hi, I'm Curtis Herbert. I'm Alice Zhao. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living in the App Store. And, well, I don't know, some of you are becoming traders and getting jobs and going contracting. <laughs> Bit of much? But we're, we're all trying. We're, we're, we're trying. We're chasing that dream. I mean, I'm only doing it because I have to. Well, I'm waiting for the <laughs> show to turn into Survivor, where, like, people start getting voted off on who's still the indie. Tune in for those episodes. I mean, I already know who wins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but winning isn't necessarily staying indie. So let's just put, okay, like, okay. Let's just put that out there and just <laughs> and just let it uh, let it sit for a while. So, <laughs> in the efforts to stay indie, one of the I think common themes that I've been struggling with in terms of figuring out my roadmap and tackling some pretty big investments into my app is kind of centered around customer expectations that are starting to be placed on me. And every app starts with expectations. You know, when you launch an MVP for your app, it's you have those core expectations. Jelly's app, you have to be able to image search and slopes, you have to be able to record and show back that data. It's there, there are those core expectations just inherent in the app itself. But then kind of as your business grows, I really think that there's a set of expectations that start to get placed on apps that are kind of cross all apps, you know, something like localization or something like that. And you two have experienced this, right? Yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced it. Yeah, I mean, the the first question everyone asks is like, when is the Android version coming out? And I say, <laughs> oh never. <my> God. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and that that's definitely one of the big ones. I've gotten that back since like Slopes was a paid app. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm starting to feel that pressure more and more. And that idea of these expectations that the users are placing on us is something I wanted to just try and unpack a bit with you two today. And it's something that I'm really struggling with because some of these expectations, like they're definitely, I think, good for business in the end, but some of them are going to slow me down. Some of them are going to need me to hire a whole separate developer to maintain a whole separate platform. These are no longer just like, expectations from customers like oh why don't you add search or something like that like these are big long-term investments and that's what i wanted to unpack um so what expectations have you put upon yourselves for your own app and this is beyond like maybe a feature per se but it could be like maybe platform features or keeping up with the platform or stability or some ux goals or something like that one of the earlier ones i think for gus on the go was to have like multi-user support, which sounds simple. A lot of them have several kids in their family and mm. they want to just be able to support each of them having their own account. And that seems simple enough. We actually rolled that out in the second one, uh, the second app. But then you get, start getting more questions like, can they be synced across any device? And I go, and that's when I start getting really nervous. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> we don't want to get there yet. We're not, that's a huge ask. And we just ended up ignoring it for this whole time. And but I, I feel like that's a a big thing that should because I think they're so used to all these other apps having one account that's accessible anywhere. And mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. That's no small feature, as you guys know. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things about the expectations that you sort of place upon yourself is that you see the stuff that's in the industry yeah. that you're trying to, you know, address. And 
you start to measure yourself against the other apps and that can be good and it can be bad but in the case of expectations some of them can be expectations that you should like and they're things that you should be doing mm. others can be sort of out of reach one of the things that i feel a lot with gift wrapped comes from the fact that so many of my competitors they're vc funded mm-hmm. somehow <laughs> i don't know how that works they're vc funded and so they have not limitless potential but they've got a lot more potential yeah. to do things than i have uh and so it becomes a thing of like well you know the the, the giphy app can do this why can't yours you know or or, or whatever and it's just a, it. It becomes a matter of like I need to. I need to deal. Like I. I just need. I need the capacity. I really need the capacity. But like an expe- expectation that I've had for gift wrapped is is the sync stuff because that's the thing that sets gift wrapped apart so much is that is this library that you control. You have all the files. It's not in some like somebody else's service. It's yours, uh, and it syncs over. It does sync over somebody else's service. But the service is con- like that. Service is controlled by by you. It's file. It's just straight files like Dropbox, and soon iCloud, and having that available and making it widely available and making it really really solid are expectations that I've had from Gifwrapped from day one, and they're difficult to keep up with, and it has meant that like it's taken me five years to get. You know, well, actually, it's going to take me longer than five years, but it's taken me five <laughs> years to get iCloud into there, so I can have like sync by default. Yeah, but that's the, that's an expectation that I've definitely placed on myself. I've definitely heard from customers. It's it's a it's like a it's an overall expectation, really. Yeah, unlike slopes, where sync was actually something that I put off for the longest time, and it was something that I think that there was a core expectation for my customers. Not that they were using sync like they did with GIF wrapped. Like they're not trying to see, I have a couple of people who try and use the iPhone app on an iPad, but for the most part, people aren't using slopes on multiple devices. It was more sync from an automatic backup standpoint for slopes. Yeah. And I think that because my in-app purchases required you to set up a server-side account so that if you did a restore later on, you could get your in-app purchases back. I tracked all that with receipt validation on the server. And as soon as I made people sign up for an account, there was an expectation or just this assumption that customers made, I think rightfully so, for the reasons that you were saying, Jelly, with like the rest of the industry does it this way, that as soon as they create an account, they assume that all their activities are backed up on the server. Hmm. Like that's just how Runkeeper does it. Nike Plus does it. Everyone does it that way, all the fitness apps. And once I started to have that missing with Slopes 2.0 when I launched the accounts and the purchases and all that kind of stuff, I didn't really have a lot of people writing in with Sync to say like, oh, I want Sync. They were more writing in saying like, hey, I moved to a new phone and I didn't use the built-in iTunes backup stuff and my data's not here. I logged in, but my data's not here. Can I yeah. get that somehow? And so I had to tackle Sync. Part of it was I wanted some more insight into my business and to how people were using it for free and all that kind of stuff. But really, I tackled Sync because I wanted to be able to protect my users better and mm-hmm. deal with that kind of base assumption or expectation that the rest of the industry had placed on me. Yeah, and I had a similar expectation placed on me because of the way that GIFwrapped handles the, its image library. It's not just like I've got a bunch of GIFs and I magically have them on another device. They're I files. Got a lovely bunch of GIFs. 
I've got a lovely <laughs> bunch of coconuts. <laughs> I, I see. We'll just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, is that because they're files, when iCloud Drive dropped, which is after GIFRAP launch, I iCloud Drive brought the expectation of like I have files and they're going to be across all of my yeah. devices. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to sign up for Dropbox. Why, why, do, why would I do that? And that sort of became more and more of an expectation. It's not even just because it was in my industry because it's not. It's just a matter of I have a bunch of files and the expectation for files is they're in iCloud. Yeah. Unless I tell you otherwise, they're in iCloud. And so it just became a thing that like I had to, that was a thing that I had to deal with. And the expectation, like you said, Curtis, it doesn't come from customers. Customers aren't asking you like, I, I would really like to be able to do this. Occasionally they would, mm-hmm. but mostly it was just people saying, well, I, I did this thing and it doesn't work. Mm. Why does it not work? Why, where are my gifts? Like I, you know, I, I made this change to a new phone and my gifts aren't here. Where are yeah, they that's, gone? Like, I, I think another very large common theme is like stuff doesn't work. And that's kind of, I think, a platform-specific expectation that gets placed on us. And I yeah. think a really great example of that is when iPhones get refreshed. You know, when the iPhone mm-hmm. X came out and we had safe area insets to deal with, all of a sudden, you know, apps once again had the black bars or scaled display or whatever. And I think that's a kind of a great way to look at it. Like, you get that little bit of time right when it launches that all those apps that haven't supported it yet are just like, Okay, they don't support it yet. No problem. But, but eventually. After a month or so, that's a black eye. Yeah. And after yeah. three months, people were cursing at you. <laughs> Why don't you support this yet? You know, you're the new iPad Pro. A uh, friend of the show, Joe Chaplinsky, keeps track of all these apps that haven't been updated. Like HBO Go, I think, <laughs> still has like black bars and all these crazy things. It's like you're a video app. Why have you not updated to be full screen on the iPad Pro yet? And there are a lot of platform specific things that kind of drive us. Yeah. Yeah. Besides just expecting us to jump jump to android asap i don't know if there's much more that they expect from me and mostly because i think it's a kid's app and so they're not you know the, the users aren't exactly vocalizing what they, what they think they might need um <laughs> well and your designs are more you know you have big fonts and stuff like yeah, that so you with don't accessibility, need dynamic type like no, and a lot of the uh, other platforms yeah, right and and it's everything's being read to you <laughs> but you know it just seems really a basic request to get more languages in and and we absolutely want to and and i think it goes back to the first way we set up the apps have each single app is a different language and then it becomes us managing perhaps three apps for one language if we're on ios and android and well and technically the third one is the kindle Mm. but yeah so that was where we put ourselves in a corner. We're like, oh, I don't want to add another language because then we have to do it three times. And then um, that's our the chance that we take by putting in all that work. And is it going to make us any money? To clarify that, though, you're talking about languages as oh, content. Yes, all the yes. apps are still English-based, correct? No. So this is where we... So you guys may have gotten localization requests, but we don't necessarily... We kind of got around it because everything is in that target language. Um, we specifically okay. designed it to maybe not really cheat the system, but we we kind of avoid this problem because it's your uh, everything should be sort of intuitive, and the only text and language you hear is in the language you're trying to learn. Okay, um, okay. So we skirted that a little bit, but I do think that in the future app that we definitely need more text in it because 
apparently everyone needs a little bit more guidance than we realized. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then eventually localization will come into play. Well, I mean, so then you basically already have localized. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> your app, if the entire app is your content and your content yeah. is localized, then yeah, you right. localized. So yeah, that makes sense. Localization is one of those expectations that you ha- that you get as well that isn't really vocal. Oh, it must be nice. It's not vocal for you. <laughs> vocal for me. I, I maybe it's a thing that you what well, like it's it's only vocal once you get to a certain size. Mm. I certainly feel an expectation. Like I don't know if it's on myself because I see other apps that are localized, or if it's just because a lot of my users they you know are from Asian countries, Japan, China, that sort of thing. And so I sort of feel like I should be localizing for the like for yeah. those target markets, you know, because it would make sense and I'm going to get a lot more users if I localize in that in that way, but I don't it's not like I get an email saying by the way why is it mm. uh, why is it not in this language. I certainly get support requests that are in another language. Yeah, I've those too. <laughs> I've definitely had those, but I don't I I haven't run across any uh, any p- specific feedback that's like, this doesn't work for me in my language. Can you please sort this out? So I guess two things. The the one you said like, oh, well, you'll get, you know, more downloads, more usage if you localize. And that is hard to know. Mm. Some apps have localized with great success and some apps it's been a very minor bump. And it's at least for slopes harder because there is a large ski market in Europe, but their average cost to go skiing is much lower. Uh, there is skiing in Asia, uh, but again, cheaper. U.S. is kind of overpriced for skiing. So if I were to localize there, I don't get a ton of downloads there right now, speaking relative to my U.S. downloads. So in theory, I should get more downloads over there if I localize. But it's hard to know, and it's also going to lead to less revenue compared to acquiring more U.S.-based users mm-hmm. since we're used to spending more money and we don't mind subscriptions as much and stuff like that. Um, but I certainly get quite a few reviews in the app store in the other countries saying like, why don't you support Russian yet? One star. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's starting to get to the point for slopes that I think that it's crossed that threshold, like not updating your app for a new screen resolution. I feel like slopes has gotten to the point now where it's well known enough that people are like, Hey, what's going on here? Like you're a big app. Why haven't you localized? But it's just hard to know what the payoff is going to be. Yeah. I think that's the first thing uh, when when we met in person that Yano was like, go localize. <laughs> he sent you on a sort of a wild goose chase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, so for context, that was Yano got me to localize my app store descriptions. Right, right. Uh, which fun story. Always use Google Translate to translate them back. Uh, the guy <laughs> I hired to do my German translation, I had used the text like uh, uh, it was something like uh, I was saying like designed by uh, enthusiastic snowboarder uh was in my app store description and apparently the i believe if i remember correctly the german word for greedy and enthusiastic is very similar (laughs) and he ended up using the word for greedy oh no (laughs) so i'm really glad i reverse translated that back and found out he called me a greedy developer (laughs) (laughs) but anyway yeah so i had uh, i had localized my app store descriptions and keywords um and Eventually, I removed them because I just wasn't keeping up to date, and I didn't notice a difference. Mm, interesting. So it's hard. I just don't know if I haven't hit critical mass over there yet or not. But yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that you've got to keep in mind, like it's going to be different per app because it always is. Yeah. Everything is a matter of balance. <laughs> but uh, it's always going to be different depending on what sort of app that you have 
I mean, I feel like one of the things about gift wrapped is that for, I mean, I don't see it this way, but a lot of my users definitely see it this way. And it's sort of like a lowest common denominator sort of app where it's like every, like this is just a thing that people use to do that simple task of downloading Twitter gifts Mm. and putting them into their photos. Like that's all they care about. And I don't get a lot of comments because that's where like a good 60 to 70% of my users are probably more, but I'm just, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be optimistic (laughs) about how how people use my app. (laughs) But they're just like, they just use the thing to like do a search grab the gift, save it to photos, done. Like they see maybe three text things and so I don't get a lot of comments about it. Mm. But I do feel like if I converted the rest of the app into, let's say, Chinese, then the Chinese market, the people that are using it, might be more keen to try other parts of the app that they have sort of not really bothered with because it's not the thing that people post videos for on Twitter. Like... I don't necessarily have any sort of any sort of numbers to back it up, but I do I do feel like applying the correct strategy to dealing with that expectation that I probably have of myself more than users have of me would at least make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it would it would help too because there are other side effects of like in our case since we're all shipping on iOS. Apple tends to like apps that localize. And uh, I've known yeah. a couple yeah. apps that started to localize for European languages and all of a sudden the European editorial team, they're uh, pretty close yeah. over there from what I understand. They localized in those core languages over there and all of a sudden that app got a lot more attention from the editorial team because they notice and they share those kind of apps amongst each other. So it, it's not necessarily just making users happy. You can get extra marketing bumps from something mm. like that. Yeah, And that's more like, I, I guess, along those earlier lines of the platform specific things. Like I'm expecting in iOS 13, we're going to get dark mode just with how Marzipan is working and all that kind of stuff. And the Mac already is dark mode and it's just asset catalog based. Like I fully expect we're going to get dark mode. And that's going to be something that I think like the screen sizes will be a user expectation, but will also be almost a Apple expectation. And Apple will give additional press for doing that kind of stuff. I've already seen feature lists based on like, this looks good in black or something like that for like a dark mode set of apps that they're trying to feature. So that'll be like a platform specific thing that will become expected from users. But if you get on the train early, you can actually get a marketing boost from it. Unless you'll be... In which case, probably not. Because <laughs> it's already dark. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need to ship a light mode for your app. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, just I, I, I sort of mean more so like one of the things that I did, and this sort of proves your point of like it's not always worthwhile to jump on, you know, jump on the system expectation, you know, this, the expectations provided by the system first, first shot. When iMessage launched in <laughs> 2016, 16? 17? 16? One of those two. Uh, When iMessage apps launched... Please email Jelly. uh, Please don't email me. Uh, They had, like, it it was a thing that, like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And to be fair, it sort of did have a bit of a, bit of a, did make a bit of a splash. But I got to be honest, like, the amount of trouble that the iMessage app causes me over the amount of benefit that I see that it gives me is minimal. Like... In fairness, comparing numbers, monthly active users, it's about 10% of my main app. That's actually pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah, that's higher than I would expect. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that I jumped in that day one. Like I was yeah. there on the App Store day one and you say like, oh, you might get a marketing push, but <laughs> poor old Gifrat. Gifrat just gets ignored. <laughs> 
Curtis is like, I don't know what that's like. <laughs> oh, don't don't worry. Curtis only gets like twelve downloads from his uh, from his app store <laughs> promotions. It's very hard on him. I don't know oh if you know God. this, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like I, I, I understand that you. I understand what you're saying. Like mm. if you jump on that bandwagon early, you can put yourself in a good position to get a yeah. feature or be included in a list or something. But I wouldn't count on it. Oh no, no, yeah. yeah that that that's not necessarily. If you're going to put in a feature just because you hope that Apple will notice, I got I got news for no, you. No, you and that's the hard thing. I think the GIF wrapped was a good app to have a messaging app. And your 10% usage mm-hmm. shows that that was a good fit. Mm-hmm. But I think that yeah, I would definitely caveat that marketing boost with this is something that needs to align with the story that they're trying to right. tell about that feature. So, for example, Slopes on the yeah. Watch. I jumped on that day one. Yeah, and that made and so much sense. It's been a huge boost for me. My users love it. It's highly active within my users. And Fitness Plus Watch is the story that Apple loves. So Apple has continued to kind of push Slopes as one of the main winter sports apps on Apple Watch. And you need to find that alignment. And I think Jelly just... Or just wrapped, like you said, because like <laughs> I think that honestly, that's the right kind of app to have as a message extension mm-hmm. versus having to launch another app or something like that. Oh yeah, look, and I like, and despite the fact that I sound like I'm bitter about it, I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> I am slightly bitter about the fact that in, in the Today View on the App Store, there's this uh, list that comes out that hits me every couple of days. It's like a list of of GIF apps uh, and it shows up every couple of days. So I'll just like be scrolling through and I'm like, oh, there's that list again that GIF wrapped, isn't it? Yeah. Great. That's good. <laughs> good. I feel good about this. Yeah. I, I think the right editorial teams don't know about you yet. FYI, Gus on the Go will never have dark mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some apps just don't make sense. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, some of these expectations do compound upon themselves. So I added sync. And I didn't just call it like, I mean, I advertise like, hey, back up your stuff. But like people know it is sync, slopes, cloud sync. So that's kind of compounded expectations for me. And I'm trying to get ahead of the game there. So Marzipan is coming out. I'm assuming iOS 13 again. So Mac apps. And I feel like we're going to start to see a demand for more apps on iPad and therefore more iPad apps on the Mac. Uh, which I think makes great sense. You know, it would be nice to have the Twitter app, uh, all of its complaints, just have the Twitter app just work on the Mac as it is. Like, they shouldn't have to write a Mac app. Just mm-hmm. give us yeah. that app. But for me, since I have Sync, I think I'm setting myself up for the expectation of Slope should work on the iPad. I already have requests for that. And Slope should work on the Mac, uh, starting with Marzipan. Right. I also would be hesitant to tackle that expectation until I was ready to do so. I think there is something to be said for tackling an expectation before you have all of the pieces. Yeah. At this stage, there are a bunch of apps on macOS right now that sort of, they're sort of hinting at the direction yeah. of where Marzipan is going, which is why they had to like announce it early, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that if you were assuming that that is the actual direction that things are going to go, you could be sending yourself down a path of doing like design work or even planning work that just is not going to pan out for you. Oh, sure. Yeah. And when I, I, to clarify, I guess my plans are just to get an iPad app, you know, in a beta right. by the summertime. And then I can evaluate what Marzipan looks like. And I'm hoping it's 5% additional work to get on the Mac mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But it's just starting to think of slopes in not 
iPhone mode and what does it look like yeah. slightly bigger. And I think an iPad is a good way to look at that. And something I was already planning on doing. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of other examples of like new platforms and new things where it's best to yeah. you know keep it on your radar, have it as a thing. Just like you don't, but you don't want to be investing a lot of time into a platform that you haven't seen yet. And yeah. that was that's true for Marzipan. It's, it was true for the watch, honestly. Like you can jump on that, but it wasn't until. After we saw the watch, after we saw what it was capable yeah. of. We got a feel for what right. apps would make sense there. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you got to be, you got to be strategic about it. It's not just like, I've got, there's this expectation that I'm like, that I can see coming and I've got to jump on it immediately. Otherwise I'm going to be out on my butt. Like yeah. you got to, <laughs> you got to be strategic about these things. And there's so many other expectations that you can address that don't require that, uh, that sort of level of, yeah. of investment. Things like localization, things like accessibility, these are things that you probably should be doing and you can do from literally day one if you mm-hmm. play your cards right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the new platform thing, I think, is the hard yeah. thing that you're right that you have to have the platform out for a while to get a feel for it. So you know if your app fits on that or not. I, w- I think Marzipan is probably the one thing that actually does make sense for Gus on the Go. A lot of people have asked us, is it available on the Mac? And we're always like, oh, it's yeah. technically a different. Um, OS and so I would love to see Gus on the go on the computer like it's actually better for the kids to you know see it yeah. much larger like it would be actually very exciting I, w- I don't yeah. know if we would ever jump just in terms of time because we don't have any time apparently yeah. um, but it's something like we we would be really keen to try and see yeah, how it does yeah yeah fit. it's it's like sort of a shortcut because you know we keep talking about eventually going to web so we can be cross-platform literally for all devices and if you think it's just like five percent extra work to get it to be on marzipan that yeah i would do that <laughs> asterisk on top of the ipad app <laughs> not True. on top well, of well, an technically we're app. already you know on the ipad okay good yeah right so so if that's what it is yeah why not try why not see yeah. what it is what it would be to um hook into marzipan so yeah 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 fair enough so Speaking of cross-platforms and moving to the Mac, uh, there's a big elephant in the room that I haven't brought up yet recently, uh, and apparently this is a pattern that other developers have noticed. I got a three-star review on my iOS app because it was absolutely fantastic, but it wasn't available for Android. (laughs) And I had some other developers chime in that this is something they've seen on their own apps too. So, Android. Ah, Android. So I I think that's another great example of something that... Early on, you know, you're scrappy, you're doing iOS only. Even the VC people, like they start on iOS. Duh, that's where you start. But eventually you get to Android. And I think the hard thing is for the three of us as independent developers, Android is basically doubling our work. It's not like localization where it's just an extra part of your workflow or something like that. Like it's literally a second code base. Yeah. It's not Marzipan where you add 5% on top of your iPad <laughs> app and loo, you have a Mac app. It's man, future me. I'm going to listen back to this episode and be like 5%, you sweet summer child. <laughs> but <laughs> Android is a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other half of the problem is that you guys plus Yano are all iOS developers. Yeah. And so it's not like, oh, I'll just write this myself. Like we have to invest money because it's a waste of time to like learn that, I think, at this point, because you have so much more to your business to run than to just, Mm -hmm. you know, learn Android and do that. Yeah. It's not like we pause our iOS apps to do this. Right. Right. So we have to 
invest a huge chunk of money to get this going on another platform plus maintain it. And and if the <laughs> what it seems like the money is not there, it it feels like it's just a wild I don't even know wild goose chase, just a fool's errand, right? Well, even if it is even if the money is there, even if let's say the market is like so so much better than what it is just building mm. the iOS apps. As iOS developers, for starters, and this has been my longest my thing for the longest time, I don't have the time to learn how to develop for Android. Right. Because if I learned to develop for Android, then I'd be developing for Android. I wouldn't be developing yeah. for iOS. It would go, the, it would be this, that would be the case. Like, I don't have time to manage the two different things. Oh, yeah. You just have to hire a developer at that point. Right. But then there's the risk, yeah. right? Like, it's either I need to have time to be able to put into this project so that I can give it the best chance at success, which is hard because I only have so much time. Life is short, yeah. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Or you end up having to like hire somebody else. Are they going to care about this app as much as you? Because you sort of need them to. Mm-hmm. Right. If they're coming in early, they're basically a partner. And, and later on, sure, they're an employee or whatever, but now they've got so much more work to do. When you're an indie, when you're working alone, it's sort of very difficult. And the expectation is definitely there, especially from Android users, more so than the other way around, because Android users want good apps they do and ios apps and the indies that create ios apps make really good apps for the most part so it's sort of like it's sort of a hard thing to to have to say no to and it's a hard expectation to sort of shut down but i also think it's perfectly reasonable for an an ios app to stay on ios only and for the answer to like is it coming to android to be known. So the problem I'm struggling with, though, is like I'm at that point now where I can't just be that indie starting out and say like, oh, no, I'm not going to do Android. Like I'm at the point now where based on my revenue numbers this season, I could hire an Android developer. I'm at that point where I could do that now. And my excuse has always been telling my users like, you know, I, I tend to be casual and kind of jokey with my users. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got an extra $100,000 laying around. I could hire an Android developer to do that. And now you have an extra $100,000 lying around. Now I know. Now yeah. I know how much now you Now I kind of feel like, um, okay, well, I guess I kind of have to do this. Yeah, now. but Curtis, if you spend that $100,000, what are you going to swim in? What's going to fill your money bin? But the I realistic know. concern there is like, you have the expectation from the users that I would spend that money to invest on yep. going onto Android. Yeah. And the problem becomes from a business standpoint, I'm trying to protect myself and my growth and keep my revenue healthy without taking on massive amounts of debt because Android is still nowhere near the revenue of iOS. And best I can gauge, not all Android users, but most Android users prefer free apps. And they're not nearly as warm to subscriptions and to in-app purchases as iOS users are as a whole. There are certainly ones who appreciate apps and pay, but I feel like that is rarer. And still the indies I talk to in the fitness space, Android makes a fraction of what their iOS app makes. So it's hard because like you have that expectation there, but you have to balance that with the needs of your business. And I could take that money and invest it in marketing for iOS Mm -hmm. or bring on something else on the ios side of the business which is healthily growing and that's kind of the struggle i think that like there are these expectations that users will place on us but they don't know and they don't care and they shouldn't care about all the behind the scenes reasons those expectations haven't been met yet but as you grow those expectations start to look bad Hmm. and that's yeah 
sucks. I mean, I think it's one of these things where you can choose to stay on iOS yeah. and that can be a choice that you make as a business. Oh, totally. Look at Panic. They've stayed on a, on Mac and iOS completely. Panic is slightly different from from you though. Well, they make video games now, but <laughs> well, I mean, they make more so Panic makes utility apps for for Mac and for iOS. And so then like I, I yes, I know that they also fund video games and stuff like that. I I played Firewatch. It was very good. But I mean, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying though is like Panic you're saying they make utilities, but they make the kind of utilities that I think the core audience of Android would like. You know, a really well done sftp manager they can connect to s3 and all the stuff that transit does that's the kind of thing that a lot of it people use android phones they would love a great app with the level of polish that panic puts into it over there sure and i think i think that like from that aspect yes sure you should definitely sort of uh, look at that as an example of something where that has served them fairly well I wouldn't say yeah. extremely well because there are definitely apps that they've produced that disappeared, right? Especially the iOS stuff. Yeah, Unison. Status board. Long live status board. Yeah. <laughs> it has worked out for them for the most part and, you know, they're, they're clearly doing very well. But, you know, there are drawbacks to that. Oh, they're doing better than I think they ever did making video games now. <laughs> TLDR, get out of the indie app business. <laughs> no, don't go to the video game business. Don't go to the video game business. It's even worse. Full of crunch times. <sighs> Jilly gets very mad. I definitely think that it's one of these things where you can just choose. Yeah. You can choose to stay on iOS if you feel that that is going to be a benefit mm-hmm. for you. Because the thing is, is that like exclusivity, that is a good selling point, more so for Apple than for anybody yeah. else. But it is definitely a selling point, right? And there are certainly benefits that you could you could pull from that but at the same time that means saying no to what could potentially be a very large market and i think it's one of these things and i think a lot of expectations that we place on ourselves especially some of the ones like localization like accessibility doing things like dynamic type which i guess is accessibility but bear with me these things are things that Really, you should probably be doing, mm. regardless of the benefits to your business. You don't necessarily see it, but your users yeah. will see it, and your users will appreciate it. And as has been mentioned, like our last, our not last episode, but the episode before, the episode with um, you know, with Capsicum, they made very specific choices about how they do their business entirely to benefit their user base in such a way that it gets their user base on side by making it so that their free trials don't just start charging you. Like that's a thing that like they had to work towards. They had to put extra effort into and it doesn't benefit them in any particular way except that it brings their users uh, on their side. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. that overall, if you're going to go for an expectation that you feel that your users are placing on you, ones that are going to benefit your users in those small ways that don't necessarily cost you a lot of time and effort and energy. Yeah. Like those are the ones that you definitely want to go for. Yeah. So yeah, there's obviously a lot to unpack here. It really varies per app. Personally, I got almost no answers out of this because <laughs> I'm just as screwed as I was before for You're welcome. that delicate balancing act of which expectations to meet and which expectations to let down. Yeah. It's like my relationship with my dad. It's just, oh my God. wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right at the end too. Yeah. Apparently we're going this direction. Uh, we'll be on the couch <laughs> next time. But no, it it is a hard balancing act and there's Mm. the low-hanging fruit expectations. But as you grow, 
you start having to get those mm -hmm. bigger ones and mm -hmm. it's tough but if you are suffering from this kind of stuff don't worry you're not alone we're here with you good listeners so if you would like to get in touch with us we encourage you to do so and you can do so by sending us an email to hello at independence.fm if you would like to talk to us individually then you can do so on twitter where we occasionally tweet and hang out and because there's nowhere else to do it on the internet really well tweeting all happens on twitter i'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna drop that one <laughs> fine anyway <laughs> you can find me as at parrots the plural of the bird i'm eat a duck i must and i am jelly bean soup and we will talk to you all again in two weeks have a good day